I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, head out of the Odell Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 258th episode, a weird one at that, of our weekly therapy session that we like to call Investing in Bizarro World. A lot of weirdness going on all around. We're going to chat about it. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk about how... Uh, <laughs> How interesting is the word I'm going to use? Uranium bugs are, and 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 you know, mind you, I'm a uranium bull, right? But hey, y'all are some skittish people out there on the on the on the Twitterverse. Uh, we're gonna get into what we're investing in, what we're looking at, and uh, we're gonna talk about Dow forty thousand and these bifur bifurcated markets. Man, it's an interesting world out there. Before we get into all of that, Nick, baseball spring training is back. Open my Cubs re-signed Cody Bellinger. That's our superstar center fielder slash first baseman. Gold Glover, big slugger. It's for average. Great guy to build a franchise around. Hasn't happened yet, but fingers crossed there. How are you? How's the family? That's what I wanted to get to. I was just telling you the days are getting longer, so we're excited for that. We get a bit of a, a short days here in the, in the Pacific Northwest in the winter time. So we've signed up for um, T-ball and all that good stuff. So yeah, baseball is definitely on the way. And other than that, just plugging away, man, itching for spring, I guess. It's that weird lull between, at least for me, you know, hunting season and 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 fishing season and spring turkey season. So February is a time to put your head down and get stuff done. I was rapping to myself today. I've been in the lab with a pen and a pad trying to get these damn promos out. That's why I haven't shaved or anything. So anyway, um, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Uh, doing well. In the lab with the pen and the pad, I like the line. I like the <laughs> reference. I recognize that I'm old enough. Uh, to pick up a good uh, Slim Shady Dre bar when I hear it. But um, no, 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 look, we're great. I'm coming off um, a, a week, week and a half, which is very rare for me, of either COVID or a nasty flu slash cold. But coming out of that, thankful to come out of that. And uh, look, the family's well. Uh, the wife was right there with me, uh, sick alongside. She's coming out of it as well. So I'm hoping these 87 degree days and the sunshine um, helps it out. Because I tell you what, it... um. It's been a weird week, man, especially today. So we record this on Thursday, February the 22nd. I woke up to what initially I thought was like my router down, right? And so I checked all the routers. Everything seems fine. And then, I, you know, it turns out I, I, I thought maybe it was an AT&T outage. So I'm calling. I'm calling. That's not getting through, obviously. And then I find out it's like a U.S.-wide outage. And it's all the major carriers. And I'm sitting here going, wait a minute. How can all the major carriers uh, be out simultaneously? And it didn't take 20 minutes to get, you know, service back and the towers functioning the way they were supposed to. It took, you know, from early, early morning to late morning, early afternoon before, you know, normal service was restored. Now, in the bigger scheme of things, probably healthy to be away from our phones for a good four or five or six hours, right? But the tinfoil hat person in me, starts looking at that and I start looking at um, Dow 40,000. Um, I start looking at uh, NVIDIA shares up some 16%. Um, you know, they're now up 265% year on year. And it's, you know, that one stock is bigger than the entire economy of Japan. It's three times, I think, what it added in market cap and Japan's this like the third or fourth biggest economy in the world. Mm -hmm. You, you can't make this up, right? So again, I have this weird brain that connects things that probably shouldn't be connected um, by a childish sense of humor to go along with it. But 
it feels eerie out there, man. I I can't explain the Dow. I can't explain the broader indices. Not 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 with the macro backdrop where rates are where they're at, and we still have a Fed that at least in in in, in speech is pontificating, you know, higher for longer. Um, and then you know all this other stuff starts happening, just not related, but in my mind, it's all some universal thing where like the weirdness is going to amplify this is investing in bizarro world so it's appropriate to touch on any thoughts on your end we talked a bit off air so i, I kind of know what you're going to say but i'd love to hear your thoughts in public anyhow i mean it's been super bizarre out there uh we've had this bifurcation in the market we know about the wealth disparity um and there's, there's some sort of transition going on um i'm, I'm struggling on deciding on how to put a finer point on it, but but let me see what I can say. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started telling you that stocks were starting to go up for the, the right reasons, right? Um, not because of Fed stuff, but because of actual improvement in economic data. And so you touched on a couple of things there. Um, stuff is weird, right? I've just been talking to people, you know, random things breaking, people not following up or getting your calls. I've had some of that weird stuff too. And I'm not sure if that has to do with, you know, Mercury and retrograde or what. That's not really my shtick, that whole um, astrology thing. But, you know, when I look at the markets, there's definitely been a changing of um, how people, investors, the market are viewing things um, and why things are moving in the directions they're moving, right? So you mentioned NVIDIA being so big. Um, I was telling you that stocks were starting to go up for the right reasons, right? Now, I, I, I'm not saying that it's fairly valued or it should or shouldn't go up. What I'm saying is that you could see a couple of weeks ago that this this technology space wanted to get um, bullish and not just because they were begging for Fed rate cuts, right? Because like I say, growth was actually there. We talked about the jobs number from, um, it was the, the end of January or, or sure. week of February, right? And so let's talk about NVIDIA for a second because those earnings, I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of mind boggling, right? So uh, a year ago, they did $6 billion in, in Q4, Q4 2022. And then in Q4 2023, which is the earnings we just got, they did $22 billion in sales. And so, I mean, their sales are going from $6 billion a quarter to $22 billion a quarter in a year. Uh, it's significant growth, right? And um, I'm not going to lie. I took a flyer. I mean, it seemed like everybody was buying NVIDIA this week, right? <laughs> I bought a couple shares. Listen, I bought them at 660 some dollars and I went home and had dinner with my family, went to sleep, and I woke up and they were almost $800 a share. I mean- so, you know, I, I, I promptly sold and, and took Free a little dinner. profit. Or, right, exactly. Right? We're going to a boys and girls club auction this week. I'm sure I'll give it all back to them, right? But yeah, um, yeah. yeah like I'm starting to buy the stocks too. And why wouldn't you, right? Um, it was sort of telegraphed that that was going to happen. This has been pushing the entire market up. And, and as I said, I was telling you the past two weeks, like, look, these stocks are starting to go back up, right? So it's weird. It doesn't feel right. And yet... It is what it is. So so back to the weirdness, right? Uh, and the bifurcation. We're just throwing it out the window. Because before, we were at least worried about rates and the consumer and real incomes and wages. And now it's like, fuck that, man. Like, the NVIDIA, NVIDIA go boom, stocks go boom, right? And we don't care about <laughs> if you can't, if you, you can't own stocks, right? And this sort of takes me back uh, always, right? Sometimes I go back and read things I wrote a long time ago. And I just happened to find myself doing that this week reading something I wrote in like 2013 or something about how this wealth disparity was coming. And the only way to get yourself on the right side of it was to own the assets, right? That were going to go up in price. And so um, it's sort of like where we're at. You just got to own the assets that are going up in price and not sort of think about why. 
um, and it's weird and, and, and it's not driven by fundamentals, but um, that is where we are. And, and I can't tell you uh, when it's going to break, but I can tell you, and I'm sure you, and then I'll hand it back to you, is like, I mean, look at the gold complex today. We were wondering about, you know, when are these resource stocks going to catch a bid? When's it going to turn around? And, and I might have an answer for you later in the podcast, but well, it's certainly not yeah. if I can buy liquid NVIDIA stocks and make $100 a share in eight hours. I mean, 30% mm. over dinner and a, a good night nap is, is, is good work if you can get it's it. 35% is not bad at all. Um, it was an interesting week. Listen, every morning I write an editorial for uh, Resource Stock Digest, which of course is the sister site to Daily Profit Cycle, which you should go to dailyprofitcycle.com forward slash subscribe, by the way. Subscribe and get some of those uh, morning thoughts and editorials from not just myself, but Mr. Hodge, Mr. Stansel, Mr. Carl. Uh, Mr. Curl, I'm the host of uh, Talented Editors and Opinions on All Things Markets, right? But I say that to say I write a morning resource stock digest coffee talk. And it's really, you know, at the end of the day, it's whatever I wake up thinking about the week will look like. What's interesting to me? And so what was interesting to me this past week was I thought we'd have an interesting week in lithium for a couple of reasons. I sensed it was bottoming, right? Uh, the Chinese holiday had had passed. Uh, China was going to get back in the market. I thought... The destocking part of the lithium market had largely played itself out and it felt and looked like a bottom. And I thought China would get back in there and start buying. And so would some of the other major players. So I speculated that, you know, it, it lithium would have an interesting week. And then one of the catalysts was going to be the Gina Reinhardt's four month hold where she couldn't bid um, for the rest of her Australian uh, takeover target um, was going to be up. And so now she had the liberty to get into the market and actually bid for that other 80% at a third of what she bid for the original stake. And I thought that would also be a catalyst for the rest of the sector. And while that part didn't happen, Chinese futures limited up, right? I mean, they skyrocketed up. We had a day where all the uranium stocks on the Australian exchange were down and quickly turned around and made a U-turn uh, before the day was out. We had a couple of up days, a couple of flat days, but it definitely feels like a base pattern forming across the sector. That was followed up by Piedmont deciding to sell its share of Sayona mining shares. And their public statement says, Piedmont is strategically positioning for, for the lithium market recovery, we anticipate, bolstering our balance sheet by monetizing non-core assets. So the strategically positioned part of that statement for the lithium market recovery it anticipates was interesting to me because it looks like they absolutely want to go ahead and be cashed up. And again, the biased Patriot battery metal shareholder in me says, I want as many majors cashed up um, as a humanly possible because we have CB9 assay spending. We already know we have great network. We know we have, you know, 109 million tons, probably closer to 150, 160. Now, eventually it's going to be close to 300 or surpassing that. When it's all said and done, it'll probably be bought long before that. But then I see Minrez um, sold their stake in Azure as well. And so it's just been such an interesting week in the lithium space. I have to believe that's going to continue. And that's coincided with Patriot bottoming it right. I think I owe bottoming it right around the $7 per share level. It's well cashed up. It doesn't need money. I would still love to see one of these companies come in and take a 5 or 10% stake uh, just to further endorse a project that obviously is world-class and when it's all said and done will be 
you know, unique, especially in North America. And that part's important because Albemarle and BMW just signed a deal where they are going to be uh, partnering to, you know, not, not only help supply, you know, the future battery metals that are going to be necessary for North American supply chain, but uh, research the technologies uh, and, and the processes that are going to expedite that. So again, there is a difference between Australian assets North American assets and assets in China. I really don't care about the Chinese spot price outside of the fact that I know it moves market sentiment. I think eventually we're going to have a situation where there's going to be a North American price index that's more reflective of a sustainable North American lithium space, independent completely of what goes on in China. And Elon Musk had an interesting quote to that about a month ago. It said, we absolutely need to enforce trade barriers with China, if not, China is going to continue to eat our lunch. And so I'm watching for that. Nothing ever happens as quickly as I think it should, but all of those pieces kind of floating out there in the 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 you know the sphere of the world there, uh, they're interesting to me, and I'm 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 really excited to see them come together. I think it's it's going to be fun. Well, look, yeah, I've been saying for a while that the second half of 2024 was going to be time to buy commodities, right? Um, it's not that far away. We're almost into the end of the first quarter here, right? We're certainly halfway through it. Um, and I think the China thing, 10 minutes ago, I said that I, I might have the reason that commodities are going to start to perk up and it's the China thing, right? It's it's not just for lithium. So uh, you can see that, yes, their holiday is over, but also the the Shanghai composite, which has been in, frankly, a bear market for like three years or so, is, is trying to put in a, a bottom as well. So um, if China is going to whatever, have its reopening, its turnaround in its stock market and get back to growth. Um, not only is it good for sentiment, which you just said, but it's good for price and it's good for demand. I mean, they're processing, pick your commodity and then, then pick yeah. your percentage, right? I mean, 60, 70, 80% of all whatever, copper, rare earths, gallium, yada, 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 right? So uh, there's going to be a lot of buying if the Chinese is, is, is back to opening. The other thing I'd say is, um, I told you in recent weeks that we're likely going to avoid recession in the U.S. as well, not just because of that jobs number, but um, because we're likely not going to get negative growth this quarter. And so you can't have a recession without negative growth. Um, if, you know, it's Goldilocks and it's it's soft landing and this economic data is turning back around, then that's as good as a reason I can find for commodity prices to go up, right? Um, and, and, and copper is sort of sniffing that out, right? So copper's added 20 cents in the, in the past two weeks. Um, closer now to 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 four dollars than than it yep. has been, and so um, you can start to see that. And then back to Nvidia, right? And I'm not the only one that's that's had this thought. I've you know seen it going around in, in the echo chamber that that is the social media networks that we operate in. It's great, Nvidia. You, you sold four times more chips. Where's the power going to come from for all these data <laughs> yep. centers and, and and AI devices and, and things like that? Right? Like, and all, we're all going to need whatever nuclear plants or transmission lines or batteries or whatever. And I've seen this thought start to to, to gain traction in, in sort of investor circles, right? Like, yeah, the AI is great, but it requires a, a lot of power. And so um, I think things are lining up well for, you know, commodities, not just the, the, for the reasons that you said. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, I'm a huge copper bull in the second half of this year. You know, I've been aggressive in my personal positions and then plan to add to those here. Over the next quarter, you know, we've both been aggressive with lithium over the past several years. And that didn't stop, by the way, after Patriot. It actually continued 
um, well into the past several months with several private deals that are soon to become public. So look, again, I hate to sound like a broken record. I think we're in a really good space in the commodity space. I think gold equities, and I wrote about this in my you know Resource Stock Digest Coffee Talk or, or, or my daily profit cycle editorial actually, are trading as if gold was at 1300 And that's just not the case, folks. We're within 40 bucks, 50 bucks of brand new all-time highs. Those highs are coming. Check those lists, check them twice, and um, get, get, get positioned now or you're going to be paying much higher prices here in the second half of the year. And just like you said, that's not very far away, folks. Now, with that being said, I have to laugh because it's frustrated and, you know, uh, I don't want to say spiteful, but, you know, rightfully so. Gold bugs are bored, man. Gold bugs want new all-time highs. And, you know, new months in here trading at 52-week lows, despite the fact that gold is 50 bucks away from an all-time high. And I, you know, if you're a new month shareholder, not laughing at you. I just, I I understand your pain. It's been a frustrating, um, you, you know, go at it, given the performance of the gold price relative to uh, the performance of some of the equities. But with, with, with that being said, I think we're kind of at an inflection point for gold. I think we're going to have ourselves a great second half and i think we're in a raging bull market for uranium so where i was going with all this is as frustrated as gold bugs are i have never seen such an overreaction on social media from anyone in any commodity as i have with the uranium bugs man i mean some of the stuff like somebody tweeted uh uranium down to 99 dollars to with a with an ask of 100 when will it stop i'm like it's down 10 bucks motherfucker from 17 year highs what are you talking about when will it stop and so i bring up the uranium bugs because it's skittish and like you know frustrated as the gold bugs are me me included um we have a great thing going on in the uranium sector folks this is just a brief correction um gift it's a gift. Take a look at the chart, folks. This is as simple as it gets. This one is not hard to laugh at, so I'm going to laugh at it. Y'all need to chill. You uranium bugs need to chill and add on these dips if you missed that last 20, 30% run up in the equities because this is an absolute gift. It's almost become the uh, not a contrarian indicator, but an indicator to, to buy or to add, right? And then that's that happened a contrarian in, indicator. <laughs> that, that happened in December, and it happened, you know, this December, January, and it's happening again now. The, the the fundamentals couldn't be stronger. We went over that last week: demand side, supply side, mass psychology. Um, the charts look great. I mean, maybe Man, some fantastic. some have broken down, but like I'm looking at Denison and the the 50 day is still well above the 200 day. Like not even. It's it's fine, um, and the the what do I want to say? Yeah, it's like it's so it's one. It's sort of the it's not the culture. It's the rise of like this the dopamine driven clicks. Everything's fast and everything's got to be to an extreme, right? Whether it's politics or whatever it is, right? It's either going to the moon or it's you know crater. It's a crash, right? It can't just be a a 10 to 15% correction inside a bull market because that's boring and doesn't get clicks, right? And that's really um, one of the things that I actually has been turning me off to Twitter in, in the recent months. Um, but it's good to check in now and then. So uh, I was adding, I have added to my Denison position, which is a personal position, don't have that in the newsletters. Um, energy fuels is below the buy under price. Uh, I'm looking at other things out there to buy. Uh, you know, I think uranium continues to be in a 
in a in a in a bull market, obviously. So don't have a lot to to add there, except to say you know chill out, um, look at the fundamentals, and uh, have some cooth, I guess. Uh, when you when you are on the on the social media handles, uh, just out there talking about death and despair when it's really just a healthy correction. <laughs> 10 bucks from a 17 year high that it hit three weeks ago. And people are acting like it's the end of the world, man. I need to relax and get outside now that it's getting warmer. Well, and it's, you know, it doesn't help that, you know, for a while it was working and, and not a lot other was uh, other stuff was, and now other stuff is, is working in, in a big way. The tech stocks, for example, that we just talked about. And I, so I think there's some FOMO, right? Like um, I see these, these big, um, one well, big might not be the right word, but uh, Twitter accounts that have a lot of followers, right. That are always tweeting about uranium asking, you know, what are your biggest holdings besides uranium? Right. Like starting to, to try to figure out like, you know, if they're getting out of the trade or whatever. So, um, anyway, I think uranium continues to be bullish and healthy pullback. Agreed. Um, us dollar broke one Oh four. It's, uh, Close the U.S. dollar index closed at 103.95 as of Thursday, February the 22nd. Um, firm support at 100. Um, I clearly right minor slight pullback, or do you think this is part of the front running of what the market sees for the second half of the year, which is likely finally some cuts, right? Whatever. How, how how big the, the cuts come from the Fed, uh, only the Fed knows, but we're likely not continuing to raise until the end of the year. Is the dollar front running that a bit? I don't know. Mm, okay. Thoughts um, on Bit thoughts on Bitcoin. Hold on. Hold on. Um you gonna pull up the chart? <laughs> I'm looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll do it for you. I think you be live charting. Love what it. I do for you do for you guys for free. Appreciate um, it. You're all right, man. Um dollar's still bullish. We'll see what Jerome says next. But you know, if you had to put cash somewhere and you didn't necessarily need the yield, you'd be okay in, in UUP. It's you know, again. Rumors of my death are greatly exaggerated. Greatly exaggerated. Um, Bitcoin hit 52K. 51.6. Bitcoin's bullish. Bitcoin's bullish. These ETFs are interesting. I started putting a bid in. I started going through the individual ETFs to see which ones. Um, I'd be comfortable owning Fidelity versus BlackRock iShares versus Van Eck. Um, for what it's worth, Van Eck does have the lowest fee, uh, 0.2 versus 0.25 for the Fidelity and the iShares one. Put a bid in for the um, Van Eck one because I, I like the lower fee. I like the ticker H-O-D-L, HODL. HODL, um, that's a good one. That's a good one. So yeah. I think the other one, I bid, and then there's another one. But anyway, um, Bitcoin is bullish. Uh, having is, is, is coming here very soon in April, and we're already at the end of February. So uh, a lot to like. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like it. Uh, we were we were chatting earlier this week about the Albemarle BMW deal. And it's funny because initially when it was announced, it was, was kind of like a muted response. And then like, eh, maybe like two or three hours later, you got to see on the Australian exchange. Um, and this coincided with, you know, the the, the futures uh, limiting up. But you, you, you got to see that turnaround that I spoke about earlier on in the lithium stocks. And so, Jody DeRouge put a, uh, I love Jody's tweets, by the way. Shout out to Jody DeRouge. He's got a great Twitter handle. Insightful and funny as all hell, and he gets political. And, you know, if you're sensitive, probably shouldn't go there, but I'm not very sensitive. So it, it was great. Uh, but he put a, you know, a little meme of a, of a rocket ship. And, you know, I responded. And I said, it's almost as if somebody connected the dots to the album, our BMW release, 
emailed it to everyone and then and, and you know they, they finally got it and again when you get a multi-year agreement for Albemarle to supply BMW with battery grade lithium for its electric vehicles starting in 2025. Um, and it's a, you know, multi-year agreement. They're also going to be working on opportunities to accelerate lithium battery innovation. And you look at Patriot and you look at Albemarle and the partnership and the scale of that project. And you see it coincides with the Quebec government, the Canadian government saying, we are laser focused on expediting a permitting process that we know is frustrating for a lot of y'all. And we're going to put some pen to paper on that. And it starts immediately. And I see the support that pa the Patriots Corvette project has, you know, across Canada, but definitely locally. This isn't a very hard, like, puzzle to piece together, folks. It's just a matter of when, not a matter of if. And so, again, $7 Patriot shares are an absolute gift. Look, I'm like everyone else. I have tuition bills. I have tax bills. I have, you know, things that come up and, and you sell when you have to. You, if you don't have to, you don't, you, you shouldn't, in my opinion, be selling. Absolutely take off, you know, what you have to take off. I've done it from 17 all the, all, all the way down and just for necessities. Anything I really don't need, I just leave the shares there and still have what I have. And it's still my largest single holding, as I say every week, and a good portion of my stock uh, net worth. And so, those are my thoughts on the Albemarle BMW deal. It seems like a logical uh, first step in what I think is going to be a multi-step dance that involves Patriot and Corvette. That's I it. don't have That's a lot to add there. I was thinking about other things we were talking. I was wondering, <laughs> stupid, you were talking about Jody DeRouge and his Twitter <laughs> handle and getting political. And I don't know if you saw the, the Google Gemini AI stuff this week. I'm sure you had to see something about it. Um, how would you know wouldn't draw the white person? I was wondering what color it would draw a spodumene crystal. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> looking great. <laughs> do we have someone on our staff that can look do that for us? I'm sure we can <laughs> figure it out. Get somebody to do it and include it with this episode when it finally gets public. So bad. The pictures of the gingers were amazing. Did you see the gingers? The, I did anyway, not see the gingers. I'll send them to you. Okay. All right. It's a fucking interesting times out there. Um, what else do we want to talk about? I know that you wanted to talk about the high commissions on over-the-counter stocks. Yeah. And so this is just. I ahead. try not to look. No, I was just going to say, I try not to look. So I know this is probably going to piss me off a little bit. But <laughs> No, it's not. It, this is actually a customer service thing. So okay. <laughs> uh, we have some questions that, you know, so we got Jimmy Mangle now. We haven't talked about him on the podcast. Uh, I don't think he's here. Um, he's a former colleague of ours um, from a past life. And he is uh, what we're calling our um, customer experience or customer engagement manager director. Um, sort of like, um, well, not sort of, you know, call customer service for a newsletter company yep. and see sort of like the knowledge level that the person has who picks up the phone, right? Um, in this case, you, you get to talk to somebody who knows the business, who has been in the business for a while, who has both managed the customer service side and has managed the publication side. I mean, knows a little bit about the market as well. So um, he's been doing things like putting together videos about our different products, you know, how to use them, um, how to navigate them, how to get the, the most out of them, essentially. And, and he's also been compiling... Um, repeat questions and concerns that, that people have. And uh, one is, and I'm just going to start addressing them here because yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know how else to do it. Right. Um, people call in and say, 
they had high, what you just said, they have high commissions on OTC stocks. So they were trying to buy some stock um, and whatever broker they were using was going to charge them like a 30 or $50 commission. And they were only buying them 50 or, you know, a hundred or a couple hundred dollars worth of the stock. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? You can't do that. You can't buy a hundred or $200 worth of stock and get charged a $50 commission. I mean, that's never going to work out in the long term. And so um, it, there's not much you can do about that except change brokers. Like this is not something a, a newsletter can do for you. This is not on my side of the equation. This is on the user side of the equation. There's lots of platforms out there that don't charge commissions. I use Schwab. I have an IRA at Schwab. I have a Roth yep. IRA at Schwab. I have a brokerage account at Schwab. None of those accounts charge me a commission on OTC stocks. Um, you might get a you might get a foreign commission if you try to buy it um, yep. directly on like the TSXV for for example, and you call them up, and you might get charged a twenty five dollar commission. But you shouldn't be getting charged commissions on OTC stocks in the modern era. So. Um, I would encourage you to seek other platforms, right? Sometimes you got to do a little legwork to get yourself the best accounts and the best commission structure, et cetera, right? Um, and you got to go where capital is treated best. So this is one of the things right. where it's on you, right? To um, find the best platform for you that doesn't charge commissions because in the current climate, that definitely exists. Um, and so basically that was that, high commissions on OTC stocks. And the other thing is, um, and you'll have some fun with this, we'll have some fun with this, is they say, um, you know, Nick is covering a stock and Gerardo is covering a stock and, you know, Nick says sell and Gerardo says buy or Nick says buy under this price and Gerardo says buy under a different price. I'm confused. And so I, I don't Nick, really understand. Nick has a blonde wife. I have a blonde wife. They're different right. blondes. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> that's sort of my response to the question. So, but I'm going to try to make, make an analogy, right? So let's say let's, I'm going to do sports, right? You're watching... The pregame NFL today, right? And I don't know. The, well, let's do let's do baseball. The Cubs are getting ready to play the Orioles because you're wearing a Cub shirt. So you're watching the MLB pregame show. And they've got five hosts on the desk that are saying, we're about to go to the first pitch. John, who do you got in this game? And John says the Cubs. And Joe says the Orioles. And Tim says the other team, right? And they all have a different opinion on how the game is going to be played. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Sure. This team's going to win. That team's going to win. It's the same game they're talking about, right? Yep. And everybody's got a different opinion on how it's going to play out and, 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 and how it's ultimately going to be in the end. And, and so I've given this feedback, um, and the customer will say something like, yeah, but coming from the same publishing house, it makes it confusing. And I say, don't all those analysts work for ESPN? Like, aren't they all on the same program? So it becomes a matter of, again, back to the user, right? We provide yeah, information. Man. We provide tools. We provide research. We, we don't provide, um, the, what's the word? We don't provide blanket coverage. We don't no. have or, the or same- Or investment uh, advice. <laughs> and we don't have the same opinion on everything, right? So uh, parroting, you know, back to the Lincolnshire Wildlife Park. We're not, we're not parroting each other, right? We're independent thinkers. And so um, we like to think that that diversity and that breadth of information- um, allows you to form opinions for your own, right? To take yes. that information that we apply, uh, that we give you and apply that to your own personal situation because we are not advisors, obviously. We can't tell you what to do. And we've often said, and I know you say this a lot, don't just subscribe to us, right? Go listen to Lobo T. Gray. Go listen to, to Brian London. Go listen to Gwen, right? Sign up for these other Absolutely. newsletter, right? And it, it, I always say truth is somewhere in the middle, right? So you form this amalgamation 
Um, and I've, and I've even told you this, I know you want to say something, sorry, but like when I'm making a recipe, right. If it's a new recipe that I've never made, I'll look up like five or 10 different recipes and I'll, I'll take like the best attributes of all of them to make the ultimate dish that, that I'm going to make. And so, uh, we're not trying to confuse you. Uh, we have different opinions on, on things, uh, just like everyone has different opinions on things. And so if there is a specific instance, we're happy to say why we have those different opinions, just write in to Jimmy or call into Jimmy, and then we'll figure that out for you. But, um, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, different different editors have different opinions on things. Yeah, no, I, I I think you said it perfectly. Look, at the end of the day, uh, Nick and I have different financial needs. We have kids of different ages. We have, you know, we we live geographically in an area or in areas that demand a different different types of resources. Nick's got, I call it a lake. He says it's a pond. We'll call it a pond because it's probably accurate. So it's it's his pond, but. You know, he's got a pond and he's got his 42 acres and he's got his chickens and he's got his duck hunting. And, you know, I, I don't I don't have have a pond. I have other things that, you know, I'm building and that I enjoy. And you have, so you have a river. It's almost done, Nick. <laughs> Thank you, Patriot. Right. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm never going to hear the end of this river thing, but it'll be fun. And when you come down in a couple of months, hopefully it'll be ready. But my, my point is every, all of you have different financial needs. All of you have different timelines. It would be unwise and um, not prudent of us to offer one blanket set of advice and say, this is what should happen. Now, we could tell you how we think things will go. And Nick and I may see it different. At the end of the day, like Nick said, it really is up to you folks to take accountability after processing and digesting all that information, combining it with your personal situation, your personal needs, um, your timelines, your risk tolerance. And then making a decision about what you're willing to risk in exchange for the type of return that you're seeking. And ultimately, again, I say this a lot, the gains are all yours. The losses are all yours. Um, We're going to have good ideas. We're going to have bad ideas that just don't work out. It is the nature of the beast. For every, you know, for every patriot that was up 10,000% and now is only a four or 5,000% from when, you know, we first wrote a check, there's a, a Magda Gold that was up some 200% I thought was going to be 500% win, which missed on, you know, 7,000 ounces of their geologic model, had high debt rates, um, and, and and couldn't service the debt and ultimately, you know, went to zero. It's the game. It's the nature of the beast. And you have to know that, you know, that's kind of what comes with it. So hopefully that provides some guidance on why we offer different thoughts and different opinions and have different outlooks and different timelines because we're different people, folks. That's just kind of the way the way it goes. So hopefully that helps. Hopefully that answers some questions. I know you had a couple more, Nick. Two more things, just picking up on what you said. Um, it, it's real is, is one of the reasons that it's different is because it's real. We're not playing with toothpicks as we've talked about on previous things. We're not paper trading. Like what we're doing is it's real. I mean, it's, yeah. it's our livelihood, right? Like, yeah, tuition was due for three kids for spring just this week, right? Um, and so it's real is the one thing. So, if you, you know, you see editors who are blindly bullish or who are never selling or, you know, the stock is always buy rated. It's because they don't own it, man. Like, they're, you know, and so if that's what you're into, that's fine. But that's not what we do. So that's one thing. Um, and then the other thing is about like in- integrity and transparency. So um, like I might be in a stock and have been covering it for a while and I might need to sell some of that stock for a reason that you mentioned any reason, right? Sure. But I still think the stock is bullish and I still think the stock has merit and I still think the stock is worth owning. 
and this is just one-off example, I will say that, I will say, I'm going to sell some of this stock because I need to do this. But that might not be the case for you. And I yeah. still think the stock is bullish. So anyway, uh, we try to be transparent and clear about when and, and why we do things. And again, um, if you have questions, we, we are all ears and, and we get back to you very quickly. And um, Jimmy will pick up the phone for sure. And and look, uh, kudos and a shout out to Jimmy. I think he's uh, the most knowledgeable customer service manager out there specifically because of what Nick cited. He's written newsletters. He's seen that side of the business. He's made recommendations. He's had gains. He's taken losses. He knows exactly what that process is, what it looks like and what it is to have, you know, subscriber questions um, to, to, to deal with. And so um, we're in great hands. We're lucky to have Jimmy. We have an amazing staff behind the scenes that makes us look um, a whole heck of a lot smarter, at least myself, uh, than I am. And so hopefully uh, we're able to continue to bring that to you for many, many, many years. And thank all of you out there that opine and subscribe. And, you know, even if you don't subscribe to the paid service at digestpublishing.com, just go to dailyprivatecycle.com, go to resource.digest.com. Tons of free content there to hopefully further your due diligence process. And like Nick said, don't just subscribe to our stuff. There's a lot of good information out there. Joe Mazumda, right? Of Exploration Insights. Got to mention Joe every time. Um, as straight a shooter and knowledgeable uh, guy as you'll get in the business. Has his own skill set. Has his own approach. And so, yeah, spread it out. Spread it out among several newsletter writers. If you're playing with 100000 or a $1 million or 500000 or $5 million, it's not the worst thing in the world to spend $10,000 a year on newsletters and compare opinions and thoughts. And um, if you have any questions about any of the thoughts and the opinions, send them on in. We're happy to answer them, always. That's it. What are you watching this week, Nick? What am I watching this week? I'm watching oil, Gerardo, because um, all the things, not all the things, but some of the things we said in this podcast, commodities getting back bullish, oil is the biggest commodity there is, right? Um it sort of not dictates, but can be a good indicator of where things are going in the economy. And it's looking like it wants to get um, bullish again. So watching for that, but also because I haven't owned oil in, in some time, and it could be time to do so again. Um, I'm sure I'm watching other things, but that's it off the top of my head. What about you? Same thing I was watching last week. I'm looking for results from CB9 out of Corvette and Patriot. I'm watching the lithium space like a hawk to see if my thoughts on it being a bottom uh, are accurate, because if that's the case, the timing couldn't be better for a lot of the private deals that that are still private that are soon to come public. And obviously, again, you know, the public deals that we've done well on, but have, you know, traced back and, and you know, fallen 60% from all time highs after going up some 10,000%, which you can do that every couple of years, you're going to be all right. But definitely watching the lithium space. I think the positioning behind the scenes that I mentioned earlier between a lot of the majors um is 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 pretty telling us to what's to come and and so yeah we'll, we'll see i think MA is going to start picking up there's a lot of billionaire investors out there calling a bottom and then you know you got a lot of companies on earnings calls saying that they're getting a lot more uh, attention and, and traction uh, on negotiations as far as supply goes so should be should be an interesting should be an interesting re rest of the month going into march i'm excited for it yeah man Lots of things going on in the market. Lots of things to watch. That's it. We'll be here every day sending out the alerts. Let's see. Let's see how weird it gets, folks. I I, I think we're in for a weird uh, rest of the month and a weird rest of the year. And I hope there's as much good in that weird, at the very least, as as some of the challenging weird. Because I sense we're going to get a 
pretty big uh, batch of both sides of the weirdness. Uh, we'll be here narrating it. That's it. All right, y'all. This was, holy smokes, the 258th episode of Investing in Bizarro World. I am Gerardo Del Real, along with Mr. Nick Hodge. I hope you all have a phenomenal, phenomenal week. Keep the comments coming in. Keep writing in. We appreciate all of you that make all of this possible. Take care of each other and have a great week, everyone. Say something nice to the people, Nick. Something nice to the people, Nick. Have a good week, y'all. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.